You are about to listen to the Animation Industry Podcast, but first, you're currently listening to me, Terry. This episode is with Karen Disher, who is the first female director and story artist at Blue Sky Studios, where she worked on Robots, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, and Ferdinand. Currently, she is the creative director and development at Spire, where she's working on their brand new feature film. And in our chat, she's going to share how she got her start, what she's learned about story along the way, and where to find the confidence to build your own career path. But first, this episode is sponsored by Snowlands, a brand new full-color graphic novel series for animal fantasy fans featuring snow leopards and arctic wolves on a wild adventure through a snow-covered mountain range. Shifty lynxes, secret monkey tribes, singing palace cats, and a cult of sheep are just a few of what the heroes of Snowlands run into on their journey. This is the perfect story for readers who love Aaron Hunter's Warriors or Tui T. Sutherland's Wings of Fire series. And this premium hardcover book is only $19.99. And since it was created by Moore Miraz, the guy behind the animation training website, Bloop Animation, you can now get $25 in credit to any Bloop Animation course when you buy the book. So if you're thinking about getting any of their courses, like their Character Animator course, or Toon Boom course, or Dragon Frame course, just get this book first and you can get a $25 credit. It's kind of like getting the book for free. So to get this deal, go to www.bloopanimation.com slash Terry. That's bloopanimation.com slash my name, T-E-R-R-Y. And I've included a link to this in the description of this chat. So please go check them out. And now without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Karen. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm good today. How are you? I'm good. It's great to meet you. You know, I think we both have sunny afternoons on both of our ends it looks like so maybe we should make this interview short and just go out for a walk <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah okay so spire you know you i've talked to a couple of people from spire and i always hear amazing things what are some things you're working on lately that you'd like to share well the one that i'm working on right now which i'm very excited about is a movie called trouble mm. and actually when brad lewis who founded spire pitched this idea to me this was a huge reason of why I even joined the team um, because it's uh, a movie about, you know, it's got a great premise. What if you actually went to a place called trouble when you got into trouble? And I think everyone on this planet has gotten into trouble at some point or another. I uh, <clears throat> certainly <laughs> got into my share of trouble as a kid. And, uh, you know, so that was a cool concept. It was just, a no-brainer on that level but then when you mentioned that Danny McBride was going to be involved as well that clinched it for me because I just love him anyway I loved Eastbound and Down he's hilarious it's a great sense of humor um and so for me joining Spire was about trouble but it was also about Brad and PJ I had met Brad a few years before um when I was still working at Blue Sky and he just had a really good energy about him and I just kind of liked his vibe and you know so I was excited to get the chance to work with him and on this project yeah as well as uh to have a hand in continuing the studio forward and and building it from the ground up what is okay so you know you have a pretty illustrious career you know starting from the spike and mike festival which i have <laughs> on this podcast as well all the way to blue sky and ice age and all that fun stuff and now we're inspired is there is there a turning point that you experience when you're like working really hard to like make it and do a good job 
to then getting noticed and asked to come on cool projects like these? Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. A turning point. I, I guess I haven't been conscious of a turning point. Uh, you know, I think it, there's always going to be those cruxes in your career, right? There's always going to yeah. be those moments of decision, like, okay, something is coming to a close. How do I move forward next? And, um, you know, there was just something about Spire on a very gut level for me. Hmm. That's the best way to describe it. It was a gut feeling because you know, once Blue Sky ended and I was talking to a bunch of different people, I was talking to friends at Disney, I was talking to Baobab, I was talking to Blur and um, Netflix and, and just a lot of people. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And then I talked to Brad, he pitched me trouble. Yeah. And it just, it was a gut feeling and it was different and it was a startup and it was small and a different kind of job. And it just was like, cool. And I don't know how to explain it other than no, that. That's so interesting. I think because like I have a hard time listening to my gut sometimes when I'm faced with multiple options. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Disney, for instance, if you went there, it could have been much more, you know, they're, they're clearly, you know, established for like a hundred years. Yeah. Well, not a hundred years, but like a long time. It's a huge company. You know, there's a certain security that comes with that. And, you know, your projects are going to be like huge. Right. But you but you went with this gut feeling. What what how do you give more voice to this gut feeling um, to, to like pursue that? Because it sounds like you were kind of at a crossroads. Where, well, blue sky flows, but you were facing many different op options. Yeah. You know, I think that's how it's really operated my entire career. Every time mm. there's been a big shift like that, every yeah. time a, a big change happened, it was a gut feeling on my part. It was even getting into animation. I didn't grow up wanting to be an animator. I didn't oh. even think of it as a career. It just, it sounds really dumb, but I, it didn't occur to me, even though I grew up watching Looney Tunes, loving Saturday morning cartoons, loving to draw. It somehow didn't click to me that people got paid. Well, it all <laughs> just happens the by cartoon. magic, right? Yeah. They just show up and they're hilarious. They're just on watch. your TV. Right. While people are like grueling like... away for years and years to like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not thinking about it at all. And I mean, I also come from a very, you know, solid middle of the road, middle class family where, yeah. you know, it, you don't make a living as an artist. I mean, haven't you heard the phrase starving artist? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's just not, even though I was encouraged to be artistic, my parents never said no. And obviously, at a certain point, they let me go to film school. So it wasn't, I was supported, but it just, it, it, I was a late bloomer in terms of realizing that this, this was a profession. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. But that was also it was a gut feeling. It was um, it, it, I just don't know how to explain it, except it just felt it felt right to take that first animation class. No, it's interesting to hear yeah. you talk about this because, you know, this is kind of a topic I wanted to bring up with, uh, you know, confidence in building your path, because, you know, I, I read a little bit more about your story and you turned down your first role at MTV that you got offered as a PA. And, you know, like a lot of people in their you know, first, first animation role and they're offered a PA, like they would take it. Cause it's like, you know, I need money. I need experience. This is already in the industry. It's right. close enough. I'll be surrounded by and helping the people who are making this stuff happen. But you, you had the confidence or maybe it was the gut feeling to say like, you know what? No, I'm, this isn't, this isn't on my path and not what I want. I want something that's 
much closer to my dream of animating or story story artists or whatever what it was back then right like, you know how do you you know other than just explaining it felt like a gut like where does that come from and how do you feel when you turn something down like that I again I I I wish I'll tell you I wish honestly I could go back and and channel my 20 year old self today because yeah. ah. in a very weird way I was so much more confident than and I think really? just from being naive, I just don't think I knew any better to, to, to not be confident. I just, I had, I, I went out into the world with this assurity, you know, and I think it was just, yeah, like, honestly, just being inexperienced and having blinders on and, and, and not having been sort of had my eyes open to the realities of the industry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, there's a lot of like sort of naive optimism uh, that comes with youth, I guess. And, and so it just didn't occur to me that, that there would be a downside to, to going for it, you know? Um, and it just felt wrong. And I think also just, I got it just, again, a, a bad vibe out of the, that interview. Uh. You know, I left the interview feeling kind of insulted and okay. definitely um, sort of looked at as like a little girl. Like, what are you doing here, little girl? Like, um, little you know. did they know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, also, and I, I remember also I received a very backhanded compliment um, because, so I went to NYU. Yeah, and yeah. the animation program, uh, I mean, it's John Kane Maker leading it, who of course is just a legend and an amazing guy. Um, and he very much, it's not like the CalArts program though. I think at NYU, it's, it's a lot of focus on um, just um, artistry and, and in the sense of expression. It's mm -hmm. not a program necessarily tailored, at least back then, so much to like, like in a way that CalArts is like, here's your portfolio and here's how to go get a job and here's all the connections. It was, it was about being a filmmaker and here's how to create a film and it can be paint on glass. It could be stop motion. It could be traditional 2D, whatever. But it was about creating a film and expressing yourself, which was really cool. But as a result, when I left NYU, I had two films. I didn't really have much of a drawing portfolio because I wasn't focusing on that. I was, I was wanting to make these films. So I made these two um, kind of funny, uh, but raunchy sort of, you know, adult animated films suitable for Spike and Mike. They were never in Spike and Mike, by the way, but I was, that was my dream. Oh, no. Um, uh, and I, I actually, I think it's my fault. I never really followed through to actually submit the films. But anyway, but that's what I went to MTV with for that first job interview. And the guy who interviewed me said, uh, oh, you know, if your name wasn't on the reels, I would have thought these were made by a guy. Oh, okay. Thanks. Like that's a compliment or that I should feel proud of myself because these were like guy films. And yeah, so that just kind of put like a uh, taste in my mouth. So yeah. then to, to have gone in specifically wanting an art job in, of some kind. And, and for me, it was, I mean, I would have taken anything, design, revision, storyboard, layout, like anything as long as it was you know putting pencil to paper right mm -hmm. um so sort of with that ambition in mind combined with that sort of icky feeling i had when i left the interview 
when I then was offered the PA job, it made it easier, I guess, to say no, because yeah, not the vibe already was kind of not right. Um, and, but maybe if, if it had been a great interview, maybe I would have accepted the job as a PA. I don't know. Um, but also in, in New York, there was, there were other options, you know, so it wasn't the only studio in town. It wasn't the only game in town. And I knew enough people at that point that I figured I could at least get some kind of work drawing somewhere, you know, which isn't, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so your original goal was just to get in. It wasn't like, I'm going to become a designer. I'm going to become a storyboard artist. It was like, I made some cool films. I had fun and um, I'll take whatever opportunity that exists that is along this path of making films. Right. I, I, it was even simpler than that. It was like, I would like to get paid to draw. I would just like to draw, please. I, I would like someone please to hire me. pay me to pencil. draw in some form in the animation industry. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even, I'll be honest, I didn't care so much if it was commercials or TV. That wasn't, I wasn't really thinking like long-term about any of that stuff. It was, it was just wanting to be like a, a part of it, you know, yeah. a part of their world. <laughs> nice. So, <Little> mermaid style. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, okay. So kind of, you know, where you are at now versus where you started, I just want to draw, Yeah. you know, how, like once you were in this part of this world, <laughs> you know, did you quickly learn what you did and did not want to do? Because it also sounds like you tried many things over the years, like, you know, uh, yeah. character designing and all this stuff. So like, do you still kind of have that mentality and you kind of just ended up here through different opportunities that came to you or did, did at some point you say like, listen, I want to direct and story and that's kind of my specialty. Yeah. It became more clear for sure. I mean, those first few years at MTV, I, I was just so happy to be there. I was just pinching myself every day that, that, that it actually happened, that they're paying me to draw and not just anything, but, God, I'm Beavis and Butthead. I mean, yeah. I, I was like already a huge fan of the show, like in college. So then to to actually be able to to sit there and work on the crew and work on it every day was just and just it was a dream. And the people were so amazing. Everyone on the crew was just it was this great mix of very young people like me and then more senior people. But even the most senior people were so kind and generous and such great mentors to the younger kids like there was none of that snobbery oh you young kids don't know what you're doing there was this great mutual respect you know and I feel like I learned so much in those first few years at MTV more than I ever have since like Hmm. and just absorbing and learning um but yeah I think I think for me writing has always been important and and just storytelling and I love characters And, uh, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't about trying to like climb the ladder and like, oh, I'm so ambitious or anything like that, but getting into directing really began, um, you know, when Daria started and I had storyboarded the pilot, which Yvette Kaplan had directed. Yvette was the supervising director on Beavis and the animation director for the Beavis movie. And she was a big mentor of mine and just amazing. Um, So she directed the Daria pilot and I storyboarded it. 
And then when the show got greenlit, um, our producer, Susie Lewis, had said, oh, well, since you designed the characters, why don't you be the art director? And again, it was a gut feeling. Yeah. And I so you wait, wait, my, you designed the characters, then you yeah. storyboarded. Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> right. So I just... <laughs> So yeah, so I, I designed the Daria characters, and then of course also, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry random <laughs> random interjection. Did you? Yeah. I, I like read somewhere you won a competition to design the characters. Is that true? It or like there was a like contest a, or something? No, it wasn't like a contest. Um, it was just sort of like a casting call. If you oh, think okay. of it that way, it was like an open call to the crew. Yeah. Basically, the the producers of Daria, they're like, we're starting a spinoff. We don't want her to look like you know how she looked in Beavis. So. Um, hey, artists of MTV animation, what do you think Daria would look like in her new uh, show? You know, keeping her looking somewhat familiar, but a new take on it. And that's all it was. And so everyone at the studio was invited to just, you know, throw their hat in the ring for that. And it just so happened that mine and uh, a couple other artists were the ones that kind of got narrowed down into the the final three. And then ultimately it was mine that, that nice. ended up... Uh, yeah, so I guess a contest. <laughs> it was a good prize, I guess, if it was a contest. Yeah, well, congratulations. <laughs> Sorry, back to the back to you know storyboarding and then directing. Yeah. So so yeah so um, when the show got greenlit, I was invited to be the art director. Nice. Just again, I was very young and I had no business doing that and I think so, but I what do you, why, why do you think that is like you know out of all the people that already work there they said hey Karen like we'd like you to art direct this like obviously you'd had some reputation already built and and uh we're excelling at this area well you know I had been a layout artist before that so I hadn't really done anything ever art directing except for my own films um and then again mm -hmm. the designing the characters this was just me taking Daria from the Beavis lineup and just going over her essentially in my own style uh yeah. so so but then that became oh what what would her sister look like what do her parents look like what does her best friend look like uh, and then the producers liked my take on those people as well and so then that's how it came to that i ended up creating the main lineup um so yeah i think i think to the i think to susie's in her mind she thought oh well since you've developed kind of the style and the look that makes sense naturally that you would then art direct the show and uh but i i for, i just wasn't interested that wasn't what i wanted to do so this is again a gut feeling wow uh we had there was like um i think it was like the beavis christmas party that year i don't know what it was but uh i got up the nerve to approach Susie, and i was like and I said the classic cheesy line, what I really want to do is direct. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and again, I had, I had no business technically asking for this because I had only ever directed my own films. I, you know, had been working in layout on TV for a couple of years and had studied the sheet timing and been trying to absorb as much as I could, but I was very inexperienced. And uh, she just took a chance on me. I think she saw that I was, she saw how hard I had worked during the pilot. Yeah. Uh, I think my youth and gender probably played into it as well. I think she saw, here's, here's a young girl in her early to mid twenties, not so far out of high school herself. Right. Uh, so she's 
got this connection and this closeness in age. Not that Su- Susie was only five years older than me, so it's not like she was all that old either. But but so I think I think that definitely had something to do with it. I was I was young, I was cheap, I was willing to work my ass off, and um, and she took a chance on me, you know. So she gave me almost half of the first season episodes to direct. So I think I directed, I think six of the first 13, maybe five. I don't know, but yeah, so it was great. And so it was just like, we're going to throw you in the deep end and uh, hopefully you'll swim. Yeah. And for me, it's like, there's, there is no chance. I mean, there's no choice, but to swim. Yeah. So, so I have two questions randomly out of that. One is yeah. kind of a technical question. So you're yeah. working storyboard, et cetera. Do you just stop doing that and have a random new contract that says now you're directing or you're still doing all that stuff, but now you're directing on top? Oh, no. So so I, I had been doing. I had been doing layout on Beavis and that was I think they might have given me like a spare week or two within that time to, to do the, the pilot. <laughs> uh so there were no contracts you know it's all just yeah You're, yeah you have, you have two free hands and time yeah that's right that's you work right. here we're paying you you work here we pay you here's your okay so, right i was able to to negotiate a little more money once i started directing but no we didn't have contracts at least not at my level Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. The next one is, you know, you said you had to basically sink or swim. What, what did you, what was it like directing your first episode, jumping into that from, you know, doing a pilot in your own films before to suddenly now this is like going to TV, everybody's relying on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, again, luckily I, I fully, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have great mentors. Like there were people on the staff of the show uh, Tony Eastman. So Tony was a New York animation fixture. Uh, his dad was actually P.D. Eastman, who wrote like Go Dogs Go and like all those famous children's books of the 50s and 60s. So Tony was his son. And Tony was like a, a 60s and 70s and 80s New York City animator legend. Um, and so he was our consultant on Daria, sort of a storyboarding directing consultant. And so he really would come in and help guide um, the directors and the board artists. Just, it was like a masterclass. It was just kind of just basic techniques, um, but from his very experienced point of view. So he helped and um, yeah, just just a lot of good support nice, and awesome. encouragement. And um, yeah, you just kind of kind of learned as I went. <laughs> I- that's that sounds like an amazing opportunity you know like it it sounds like you know your gut kind of propelled you to take risks and chances in the environment you're in and and now you're here you know so looking back you know working on ice age etc etc and you said you've you've kind of lost a little bit of that naivety confidence (laughs) i guess (laughs) yeah i i think uh yeah it's 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 interesting. I think, you know, when uh, when you've just when you've been around a long time and you've seen how the sausage is made, as it were, and uh, you know, sometimes it's not something you want to see. And I, you know, just just 
the curtains get pulled back sometimes on people in surprising ways that you never would have expected uh, people to act or behave. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's just, you know, you learn and you regroup and, and you got to keep going, you know? So you, well, another kind of topic I wanted to bring up was, you know, the whole, what you've learned about story because you've worked on so many things. You started with more of like an adult raunchy type of, storytelling and you ended up into like very (laughs) child-friendly storytelling Mm -hmm. towards the end you know like what is what is the what are the tips and tricks that work no matter what kind of um story you're telling that you know captures an audience for me it's it's just character yeah I hear that a lot yeah but it's really true I mean that that's what I love doing like as a board artist and as a director and as a writer, I, I'm characters always come first. I'm always thinking of like a character in a situation, the fun of that character, what they could be doing, characters interacting with each other. Mm. Um, you know, I, it, as a board artist, it's, that's just where I, that's my, my little path. I've always done the best on is when I've got character and comedy, give me a musical number. Great. Don't give me the car chase please don't give me the car chase because I'm just going to fuck it up. I'm going to hate every minute of it. (laughs) Now there are people out there who love the car chase and that's all they want to board. And that's amazing. And and they're probably so good at it. And I'm jealous because, but, but that's the thing. So you, you, I I feel like the most successful artists are the one who, who follow what they love Hmm. and what feels true to them. I mean, I, you know, if someone said, we want you to direct the car chase movie, I would turn that down. <laughs> yeah. If it was like Fast and Furious 20, the animated version, and it's got a $200 million budget and you can work with all the A-list stars. And I'd still be like, no, no, thanks. I know because <laughs> that would be hell for me. That would yeah. be awful. So, so I, I feel like <laughs> you're going to be happiest as an artist if you can, if, if you can, you know, stick with what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And you're going to be more successful because that, that love and that joy comes through in your work and it's natural and you're not, you're not forcing it, you know? So, so how do you maintain that throughout, you know, you've had a, a, a full career in this from, you know, years and years. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to like. Very. <laughs> <laughs> long career sorry but I, I just mean I just mean you you know you've been at this for a while yeah how do you how do you always align yourself to your love when you know life may take you in a different direction opportunities take you in a different direction yeah. you may end up doing something you're not super into for a while and that because for, for me for my for my story you know I ended up in business and I fully yeah. pursued that and ended up realizing this is a complete 180 from my animation roots and I had to like quit mm-hmm. all that and come back to it but it was a very tough like I had to break down so many walls to get there. How do you, how did, how have you, you know, continue to align yourself with projects you love? You just said you turned down a $200 million budget, A-list celebrity. I didn't. Movie, and I that, didn't. No, but I know <laughs> you did it, but, but you're hypothetically saying that. But and I that would. takes a lot of, you know, knowing who you are and confidence yeah. in, in knowing what you're good at and love doing. So, you know, what, how do you continually align yourself to that when you maybe get steered in different directions? Yeah, you know, I would say that is the good thing of age, whereas where age can and experience can sometimes um, 
sometimes you can, you can, there's a risk of getting embittered or having seen too much, but the flip side is that, yes, you do know what you like and you do feel more confident turning stuff down. I think in my earlier years, I would have probably taken just about anything. You're like, fine, I'll take the $200 million budget movie in my early years. (laughs) (laughs) But just in the sense of like, at the very beginning, it was, I just want to be drawing. And like I said, if, if it's the, if it's the, um cat food commercial and i'm animating the cat in the cat food commercial great because i'm animating your and i'm and i'm earning a living drawing and doing and being creative which has, is has the there, bottom line has there ever been a moment where you've kind of taken a look at what you're doing and and said you know what this isn't exactly where i want to be i need to i need to like quit something or move into a different area or work my way back to something else yeah and i will say i i definitely this is probably the first time in my life i feel confident doing that hmm wow that is a big change for me because in the past I think I was uh a little more attracted to you know as anyone is just there's something nice uh about being comfortable yeah there's something nice about when you have worked somewhere for a very long time you you feel a sense of security you feel like oh everyone knows me they know what I can do I don't have to prove myself every day anymore I know them and, and, but sometimes that, that comfort can make you stay too long and it can make you end up involved in projects that, that aren't, you know, necessarily what you want to be doing. Now you have to do that though, to earn a living. I mean, I don't come from, I'm not a bajillionaire. I didn't, <laughs> I'm not a trust fund kid. I, I always have had to support myself. Yeah. So you know, there's that balance of how much do you risk um, when you do still need to put food on the table. But I, I do feel like you can, you can find it. And it's, and the older you get and the more experience you get, you, you do have more freedom to be able to just take a deep breath and like, okay, I, I can leave. I can move on. I can do different things. And I think there's also something about chemistry too. And, hmm. and that's something I have found, you know, in the past few years, just talking to all these different people, I've been very lucky in my career that, that everywhere I worked, all of two studios, <laughs> Blue Sky and MTV, I mean, previous to Spire, yeah. all of, all of my two studios I ever worked at, but no, they all worked out really well. It was, a, yeah. the, the chemistry was there. It was, it was a natural fit. Um, when you say chemistry, are you talking yeah. about, you know, coworker chemistry, project chemistry, a combination of them? Cause when you said you moved to Spire, you, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned, you know, some people that you're very interested in working with yeah. the project itself. Yeah. Um, so like, what is, what is that chemistry specifically that, you know, going forward, you'll, you'll, you know, to look for. Yeah. I, I, that's, you're so right. I, I, that was part of that gut feeling inspired too. And for me, that chemistry is, um, it's, it's just really so down to earth people, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, and again, I was so lucky at both MTV and Blue Sky, at least in, in the earlier days of the studios, there was not a lot of politics, ladder climbing, backstabbing. There weren't those kind of scuzzy things. Yeah. Again, at least that I knew of, maybe they were always there. And I was just like, you were the one backstabbing everybody else (laughs) i mean maybe 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 it was always there and i was just not constant i I don't operate that way so i'm not i don't normally have like antenna up Mm. you know to be sensitive 
or looking out for that kind of stuff because I just I'm not interested in stabbing anyone in the back so I assume no one wants to stab me in the back but I've been proven wrong on that <laughs> yeah, yeah. but so for that chemistry though it really is for me it is it is it is the the humbleness of of the artists the lack of shittiness and political stuff and um the the projects the quality of the projects and and just the heart behind them and i think i'm also just attracted to uh people and studios that are willing to take risks you know and 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 where you feel like you actually have a voice you know mm -hmm. and 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 where you feel like you might actually be able to personally make an impact you know totally yeah so um, so I, I love that you you know you at the start you said you just wanted to draw and now you've you've said a whole list of other things that excite you what exactly are you doing at, at spire like um you know influence on the story and all this stuff like what is what is your what have you been doing lately like, what's the day-to-day -day like the day-to-day -day at spire is for all of us is pretty much all hands on deck on trouble i would okay. say 90 percent. so that's the cool thing about a startup you know um it's you're rolling up your sleeves you're doing a lot of different things right now the big focus is on trouble it's gonna be our first movie some storyboarding on that we're all you know brainstorming storyboarding getting it up into editorial getting the movie up um i'm also working on developing my own projects which oh, is cool. cool i was gonna ask you about that yeah so are they involving are they involving back to your roots of butts and things ah i don't have roots of butts <laughs> <laughs> well i you're like for one of your first films <laughs> all right all right all right but you know no no uh no because uh i am developing for aspire space which is still a family audience but um i think what we want to do aspire is is bring it you know age it up just a little bit so we still want to be four quadrant we still want to make movies that appeal to everyone but i would say we're going to try to probably find that that space that sweet spot where you can maybe push things a little mm. older yeah while still keeping them accessible which is a very tricky balance um totally, but I think totally. you, you, you got stuff like i think spider-verse is still to me one of the best examples of a movie that that appealed to an older audience but didn't alienate a younger audience either that was so hard to do so the things I'm developing now would, would still firmly fit within that space. Oh, nice. uh, so older, older family movies, <laughs> I guess, is a way to think about it. Uh, but yeah, so so I'm working on my own stuff. You know, we've as you've talked to to Ted and the other guys. Um, you know, we've got our creative cadre, which is pretty cool. And so we get together and we chat for a couple hours once a week and pitch each other our projects and and help each other so again this this i love it because it speaks to it's it's not silos it's not every director for themselves like in a big you know wrestling match like we're all against each other whose movie's going to go first you know it's it's we want spire to be awesome and to have legs and longevity and you know so again Perhaps I am naively optimistic about this, but 
<laughs> as long as you're having fun and I like that you're trying to push boundaries a little bit because I, I think, you know, there's a lot of studios out there that are taking the very safe, formulaic kind of tried and true method. And I think yeah. when somebody, hopefully it's spider, a spider, 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 yeah. figures it out, I think there's a huge untapped market there because like, you know, you've got the, your films that are just for kids and they're watching it with their parents, et cetera. So um, I'm just wondering, you know, like throughout your career, what, and you've, you've done so many different things. Like I was, you know, you've even like voice acted and stuff like that. What is, what is, what are kind of the soft skills or maybe hard skills that you have always, you know, had or worked on that have enabled you to propel yourself all the way to where you are now to work on these really cool, you know, new, exciting things? Yeah. I mean, let me think about that. It's, you know, just going back to being a kid, you know, I just, uh, I was a, a musician. I was a band person. I was in the marching band. I love being in band and uh, proud band nerd. So, but what I feel like that experience was really formative in the sense of learning to work with a crew, right? Mm. Oh, so that's I was so in this, interesting. So I was in this giant, like 350 kid Southern marching band. Like what, what was South, the instrument you played? I played trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. I was like section leader. I was section leader of like, I had 40 trumpets under my command. Wow. <laughs> and I would like put on my little gloves and like, you know, count them off and like drill sergeant. So I learned leadership through that, but also, um, how to be part of a giant ensemble you yeah. know you need every one of those 350 people playing correctly making their marks on the field in the right order um, or the whole thing is you can't do it with 10 people you can't do it with one person it takes that entire crew to make the magic right and uh you know so i feel like working on a animation crew in a studio for me it feels the same it's that same satisfaction just that same wonderful feeling of like we busted ass we worked so hard we sweat and and it was rough and we spent two years on this thing and hey there it is on the screen yeah you know and people love it and it was worth it you know so yeah. that's that, such a cool that was like locked in from a real young age for me that's such a cool analogy i've never heard anybody say something like that before it's it, yeah. but it it like as soon as you said band I was like oh this makes so much sense have you ever have you ever had a time where your ego you have to like keep your ego in check with what you want to do versus you know what the team wants to do because I also feel like you know I I have a, I struggle with that because I'm like an independent <laughs> animator artist yeah. and like all I do is my my what I want basically right um so then sometimes I've like sometimes working in a team is tough because I'm like you know going I'm going to town on my shop making it like what i think is amazing and then the director will come and be like well this doesn't quite fit with uh the rest of what we've got going on so then i have to like relearn and reconfigure my brain have you ever had to deal with that yourself sure yeah i mean there's there's always those frustrating moments um you know you sink like a couple of months into a sequence maybe it's something even you wrote yourself you know or this yeah. idea you had and it's like okay go for it follow it through and you work on it a couple of months and it gets cut completely or <laughs> no. a studio note comes back and they're like, well, half of this idea is okay, but we want you to layer an entirely new idea now on top of this thing. 
And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, at Blue Sky had a short in development for a long time, for years and years and years. And yeah, that was a very frustrating process because I had such a clear idea of it in my mind at the beginning. And it just went through the cycle of executive notes and the notes mm. would come and the notes would make it different, but in my mind, not necessarily better. The notes would oftentimes, again, this went on for years. So the notes would oftentimes reflect whatever movie had just come out at that time. And someone's like, oh, they did that. So you need to do that in your short. Yeah. And so there's, it's, it is hard sometimes when you are, you're like, okay, I know in order to get this thing made, I need to be a team player. I need to be respectful. I need to understand that I sometimes don't have all the answers, right? Maybe I am blind to some problems, you know, cause that happens. Sometimes yeah. we have our own artistic blinders on and then you get 10 people screaming at you. This doesn't work. You're like, yes, it does. And you're like, oh, maybe I should listen to these 10 smart people. Sometimes they're right, but then sometimes they're wrong and you just know they're wrong. But depending on who they are, you, especially yeah. if they're the people yeah, yeah, with yeah. first strings, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't fight so hard. So it, it is, it is, I wouldn't call it ego so much hmm. though, because ego is a negative kind of connotation, right? That ego, I, th I think a lot of artists get unfairly painted with the ego brush. When is there a different word you'd associate with with that, like you know, self? Yeah, I, I, conviction, conviction, maybe? Yeah. conviction, or confidence, or vision, or you know, it's it's a tricky thing to say. Oh, that guy is just so egotistical because yeah. because they've got a, a you know a very solid and tight view. So then how do you know when to fight for an idea versus accept an idea from an executive or somebody who has a lot of say or because you said, you know, in order to get this made, I need to adjust. But sometimes, you know, you're right. And it's hard to like, you know, after the fact, you can be like, see, I was right. But before the fact, you know, you other than a gut instinct, sometimes you because also, you know, the executives, they're looking at analytics and data and market research and stuff. So their yeah. facts and figures are proof in some sense yeah, of the past yeah. and sometimes you're just wrong sometimes yeah. you as the artist and filmmaker are just completely wrong yeah like yeah. and that happens so I, I don't have a good answer for it because huh. I have watched I have watched people more far more talented than myself flame out hmm. because because they would get so upset at the notes and um and it would just do them in, you know, yeah. and, and then, and that is so, and that is so hard because I think, again, it just comes down to that chemistry. And if you are lucky enough to find executives who get you right. And that is luck. That is just purely luck. That is, that is not sticking around in the wrong place for too long. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there is an executive artist pairing for everyone out there. <laughs> I think it's just like a love relationship, right? Like sometimes you date the wrong person and it doesn't yeah. mean you suck or they suck. You just are not a good match. So you're saying like, try to find a good match where, you know, they're pushing you in the right direction and maybe you mm -hmm. push them in the right direction as well. And, you know, right. together you, the compromises make sense and make it better. Not 
the compromises are one-sided and it's not really better. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. there's a mutual respect. Maybe, maybe one of my last questions. Um, at Spire, you, you're trying to push the boundaries a little bit with you know the filmmaking you're doing. How do you bring judgment into that when you know pushing the boundaries is something completely new? Um, you know, you might look and say, oh, well, films with ice queens have been popular in the past, so we should right. do that. Or, you know, films with I don't know. Giant squids aren't done yet. Like, let's try. Like, how, how do you how, right. do you how do you figure out what what is what is your pushing? You know, like yeah. You know, I I, I think more of the more of the giant squid for sure is the way to go. Great, uh, I love giant squids. Yeah, I, I I love giant squids too. You're right. There is oh, I gotta write this down. <laughs> <laughs> If I see Spire come out with a movie with giant squids, I'll call you up. Then you can see. Be like, hire me, please. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I think, um, like, for me, so yes, you do have to be. You have to be shrewd. We are running a business. We want to be Mm. successful. Nobody wants to make the same movie that's been done a thousand times. So there is sort of a future-looking eye for what, what hasn't been done. What have we not covered yet in this medium? There's millions of things that could still be explored. I think where I'm approaching it from is a personal point of view. Hmm. And I think we're seeing that a lot of the studios these days, which is a wonderful way to look at it. Because I think if you've got directors and filmmakers telling their personal stories, even if they're repackaged in more fantastical ways, it's, it's you know, there's an authenticity to it that I think is is cool. And for me, just the idea of being able to tap on my own experiences and the, and the things I love, uh, things I loved from childhood, the books I like to read, the movies I like to watch then, the stuff that gives me like that warm, like, oh, like I loved that. Like, I wanna, I wanna take that kind of a thing and, and what can we do with it that's new, you know? So it's exciting. Yeah, I feel like I've got like, like I had this development and writing and creating muscle that was has been kind of dormant uh, oh. for a couple of years and it's starting to wake up again. I'm like, oh, and so now like I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and I'll go type something down. I've got like it's too much now. I got too many ideas now. And so I need to stop and like oh my goodness. I love <laughs> actually that phase, pick though. one and like develop it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like where anything is possible and ideas are just coming at you from every, every angle. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun part. And then you actually have to make it work and then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a so little maybe, harder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe as we're wrapping up, you know, if somebody's yeah. listening to this and they're, you know, they've, they've followed your career or they love all the stuff you've worked on you know you've worked on so many fantastic things over the years and what would you what would you tell them to you know follow something similar to what you've done or just you know to stay passionate of and find projects that you love to work on yeah I I really think it is it is just a matter of um again it's that elusive confidence it's that it's it's that trust in your gut Hmm. you know and that is that is that is not an easily definable thing Um, even when your gut is screaming at you and you don't like what it's saying, even if the part of your mind is like, no, no gut, you're wrong. You're wrong. Everything I'm doing right now is correct. This was the right move. This was the right choice. And your gut's like, no, yeah. it wasn't. it'll, it'll it's all turmoil. come out. Eventually it will always pan out the way it's supposed to is 
as trite and generic as that sounds, I, I do believe it. So should you just let it be or should you just jump on that gut instinct a little bit faster then? Uh, yeah, I think I there are times where I, I could have done some things differently, not in a regrets kind of way. I don't have any regrets, but but you, you just you just listen to it. And if, if a project doesn't feel right, yeah, your days are miserable. If the people you're working with are, are, are making you feel icky, uh, you know, if you just, if you're ending every day in a state of woe, abject woe, (laughs) and now look, every job's got dips. Every job, even the best job has shitty times. You know, I mean, working on the Daria pilot, I actually slept overnight in the studio on a cot in my cube. (laughs) I have never been more tired in my life. There were times at Blue Sky where I I cried. I feel like a few times on Rio. I I think it, I was wow. so worried about the movie. It wasn't going well. It, you know, I was had a story, and I just felt this pressure and this weight on me. And I, yeah, I would say once or twice it actually brought me to tears, sitting at my desk at eleven o'clock at night. Like we got to fix this thing. Oh my um, goodness. And we like did. A- <laughs> We did though, but, but yeah. see, that's the thing. Like, there's always, even in the best jobs at the studios you love the most, with the people you love the most, on the projects you love the most, there will be darkness. Um, so, that's not what I'm talking about when I mean like. Yeah. No, but uh, that's really good insight still. You, you know? know, like, you can't, you can't expect everything to be flowers and rosy all the time. It doesn't no, make sense. not at all. And if it is, it's probably not interesting. <laughs> not at all. No, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference. Um, and, and, but again, you will know it. Yeah. You will know it. Your gut will know it. Your soul will know it. And uh, then you, you just start thinking about what's next. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Listen to your gut. That's the, uh, that's the thesis of this. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> no, it is. No, it, because like, you know, listening to my gut has been a theme in my life that has really yeah. helped me figure out where I want to be in a number of personal and career areas. So I think yeah. it's super important. I'm happy you brought it up and I'm glad that, you know, it's really brought you to where you are now. Um, well, same for you. It's really cool that you did what you did. That must've been really a scary and, and weird thing to do, or maybe it felt totally right. Like it was both. It was, it was both. terrifying and right. I guess yeah. if that makes sense, it was, yeah. uh, yeah. I don't know if you can hear, but my dog is having a nightmare. <laughs> oh no. Oh, does he do that? Whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you? My hear dog that? does that too. Oh, no. She's back there on the bed, and every now and then I'll, I'll get this like whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, like, she's that? running or something. But I, anyways, yeah. I was just wondering if you were hearing this whooping noise. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share as we're wrapping up? Uh, no, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I feel I've probably blathered enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't blabber enough. All right. <laughs> No, um, well, I'm just very happy to talk to you and meet you. And I wish yeah, of you course. very well. Likewise. On your journeys. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Karen, so much for coming on the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening and you want to check out what Spire's doing and what Karen's doing at Spire, you can go to spirestudios.com and that's their website where you can check out all their fancy stuff and look out for trouble when it comes out. And thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay. Bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.